that is, and we're thankful for that song. And the Ruth chapter number one, we're continuing uh, our series. Of course, we went through Judges and now to Ruth. Ruth is the epilogue, really the ending of Judges, and we're starting to see a glimmer of hope. We saw the enduring of the chastening from Elimelech. We saw, of course, uh, the experiencing grace last week from Naomi. But now we see uh, examining priorities, and we see two more characters coming into the story today. We're kind of focus on a little bit. We're going to look at three different characters and how God used them and uh, some of them and how some end up going back. And so some things we can learn by examining our priorities. If you have found that, if you could stand to your feet, if you're physically able to, uh, for the reading of God's Word, I'll read aloud. If you'll read silently, you can follow along there on the screens or on the outline or there in your Bibles. The Bible says in verse number 11, Naomi said, Turn again, my daughter. Why? Will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband, also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they are grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, and, and, but Rave clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good uh, to be in your house this morning. Thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people. And Lord, have you given us such a wonderful summer, and now into the early fall. And I appreciate, Lord, every single one of your people being here. And Lord, many guests following through, Lord, today, and Lord, checking, Lord, maybe the church out, or maybe they're searching for something, I pray they'll be found today, may your word, Lord, not turn void, and I pray that you'll answer questions, maybe in some hearts today, I pray that the gospel will be clearly presented, and those who do not know you will come to you, Lord, today, I pray that you'll be with the children and the teens, and Lord, the uh, nursery as well, as they're hearing, uh, Lord, lessons from you, I pray it'll be with those who are online, and those who are um, Lord, tuning in, maybe they're out of town or they're Lord, at work or maybe they're sick and I pray that you'll just touch their lives as well. Uh, be with Brother Mutzler as he's in uh, Vietnam, Lord, on a missions trip. Lord, I pray that you'll help him as I'm sure he's speaking many times today. And I pray that the gospel will be carried, Lord. I'm thankful for the missions-mindedness of our people in our church. Seek to reach this area and the world for Christ. I pray you help us to learn from the book of Ruth. Lord, learn something that will challenge us and help us. Help us to understand that choices matter. Lord, the outcome of those choices and then the commitments that come because of them. And if we're not careful, Lord, they can drastically alter our life. I pray that we'll cling to you and follow you, Lord. We sure do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A sharp, distinguished-looking businessman was walking past a pet store when a parrot said... Hey man, you're really ugly. The man was furious. Continued on his way. On the way home, he passed by the pet store again, and having a great, successful day at business and his place of business. And 
accomplishing much stuff. He walked by and the parrot once again said, hey man, you're really ugly. He was incredibly ticked now, so he went into the store and said that he would sue the store and kill the bird. The store manager apologized profusely and promised he would make sure the parrot didn't say it again. The next day, the distinguished businessman uh, 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 deliberately passed by the store and to test the parrot. The parrot said, hey man. The businessman said, yes. The parrot said, you know. <laughs> but anyways, this morning we have the priorities, examining priorities. And I really tried to tie it into the message, that joke, but honestly it was just so good. I, that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to try to tie it in. Uh, but how many would agree in our life today, priorities determine where we go, our outcomes, and where we end up. And it's, at first, it may just seem like a mere choice. But if we're not careful, it can turn into a stark contrast and then end up becoming a commitment in our life that really alters. And every little choice makes a difference, makes an impact. And this morning, we see three ladies who each make a choice. So the first one, if you're writing this, this morning, the first uh, point is simply the significant choice. The significant choice. And I want us to look at Naomi, I want us to see Orpah, and I want us to see Ruth, and each of their choice. And then we'll see a contrast of those choices, and then we'll see uh, eventual commitment. But before we get into all those, we'll see, start off with Naomi. The Bible says in verse 11, 12, and 13, she is having this conversation with her two daughter-in-laws, basically trying to talk them out of coming with her. We see Naomi's kinsmen. And the reason why we have kinsmen here is that was the whole reason why Naomi was going back to Israel. She felt like it was going to fare much better for her to go back to her homeland. Of course, we read last week in Amos where they didn't want to die in a polluted land, so she felt like death was certain to come. She, In those days, there was no governmental assisting programs. There was no... Uh, not the church there, obviously, in Moab to help you. And if you didn't have your husband or your boys, you were pretty much left out to dry and probably just destined to death. And so Naomi says, you know what? I'm going to go through this, this pass, this very, this mountainous uh, terrain, this desert, this very dangerous path. I'm going to go back from Moab around the Dead Sea back into the valley there of Israel. And I'm going to do it because the Lord has visited his people, and I want to be back where God is. I want to be back, and if I die there, so be it. But at least I have a kinsman. And we know that's Boaz, and we'll get into all that later, who was going to allow her to at least glean from the edge of the fields and still at least get enough to eat. So she's bound and determined to go. She wants to release her daughter-in-laws of any form of connection to her, not because she doesn't love them, because she loves them so much, she wants them to go back to her people and start over. She even says, even if I were to get remarried and have sons, you wouldn't wait 20 plus years to be able to marry them. So just go back to your people. So we see Naomi's kinsman direction. She's going back for a reason. But then we see Orpah's kiss. Orpah's kiss. And what that really signifies in verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. Now this is a tender, compassionate sign. This is a sign of affection. This is 
uh, Orpah basically saying, hey, I love you, Naomi. I love you with all my heart. I, wanna, I, I just want you to know that. And I'm willing to go with you because I feel like I need to. I feel like we're connected through marriage. And uh, I'm just going to go with you. And so we see the kiss. It's an affection. I don't think we need to be too hard on Orpah. She really was trying to help Naomi. She was showing that she loved her. However, after much convincing and much arguments, Orpah finally decides, okay, I'm going to return. Now, Hubbard said this, Orpah obeyed, choosing probability of normal life in Moab over a risky venture to Israel. She is doing what most people tend to do. In fact, McLaren said it's a lot like Mark chapter 12, 34, which shows that many are not far from the kingdom of God. But in a critical moment, they end up going back. Much like the parable of the sower. You remember some fell on the rocky soil. It sprouted up. It did well, and then the sun came, and it kind of dried up because there was no, no place for it to really root down. Perhaps that was Orpah. She was okay with following Naomi's God, as we'll see later. When you left a country, your God did not follow you. That's what the ancient believed. It was only there in your local area. So really, in a sense, Orpah was leaving everything behind, and she was willing to do it for Naomi's sake. But after some convincing... Matthew Henry says it this way, strong passions without a settled judgment commonly produce weak resolutions. Isn't that the case for you and me? You know, um, you know, you, you have this, this passion, but it's not firmly rooted. It could be a New Year's resolution, you know. I'm not going to eat bread for the whole year. Day one. Day two, someone invites you out to a burger joint. Well, let's do the lettuce wrapped. Halfway through it, you're like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> you know, And forget about it. We're going to go back into bread. And perhaps maybe that was kind of Orpah. You know, she, she, was, she was halfway committed. She was interested. She possibly even wanted to know where this venture would go. But she's not really ready to go. And after some convincing, she says, okay. May I say this morning, we all can be like Orpah. We all can go back sometimes, unless our heart is fixed on Jesus. Colossians 3 talks about that. Have you counted the cost? Are you ready to suffer worldly loss for the master's sake? Luke 14 talks about that. But then there's some, like Moses. He, he doesn't necessarily want Egypt's treasures. He wants his God. Hebrews eleven twenty four by faith Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, though that would have gotten him much acclamation, much fame, if you will, much clout. But Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt. Church, do we look at our relationship with Jesus as a greater treasure than the world's treasures. And I think most of us would agree with that statement. But does our actions show that? I've had to ask myself that before. You know, do I, am I really pursuing the right thing here? Am I really putting God first in my life? 
And so we see what did Moses do in verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. He decided to put his faith and trust not in the king of Pharaoh or of Egypt, but he wanted to put it in the invisible, the God he could not see. And that is why I think it's so hard for us to full-heartedly pursue God. Because we can't see it. But yet we have to believe and we have to trust that God's word is true and what he says is right. And we have to pursue that. And so we see Orpah, she could not see that. She went back. We see Orpah's kiss, Naomi's kinsman. But what about Ruth? What, what is she going to do? I mean, is she going to follow Orpah? Is she going to follow Naomi? Is she going to follow Naomi's God in a sense? Is she going to leave her gods? What is she going to do? Well, the Bible says in verse 14, but Ruth clave unto her. Now, clave isn't a word we use often. Clave is kind of like uh, 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 the, the Hebrew word clave is debak, which means to stick, adhere, cling, join with, stay with, stay in close proximity, glue. I mean, someone tied to the hip. Someone like plywood. You, you ain't pulling that to get apart very well. It's stuck. It's it's there, you know. It seems like some of those packages you get from Amazon, you know. You you unhook this tape, and then you realize, oh, there's there's zip ties here. You finally get that done, and then you realize, oh, it's clamped. And it's like, man, I wish the quality of this item I'm getting is as good as it is packaged, you know. And it's amazing how 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 clean they can be. And the word cleave is actually, the variation of it is found 54 times in the Old Testament. So let's start going through them. No, I'm teasing. We won't go through all of them today. But I want to give you four of them. And I'm going to do a word study on this later. I'll probably teach it in a class or something later. But God spoke to Moses and warned Israel about cleaving. The Bible says, and uh, did I even give you that passage, Brother Colby? Oh, Deuteronomy, thank you. I don't have that on my notes. Okay, thank you. Uh, appreciate it, Brother Colby, by the way. A little shout out. Deuteronomy thirty twenty, That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest observe his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. That cleave, cleave, glue unto him. Why? Why would we do that? For he is thy life, the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. So God told Moses, you tell the people, they need to glue themselves to me. They need to clave unto me. But another word, clave, is used in 1 Kings 11, verse 1, in a negative tone. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, there's the word Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But what did Solomon choose to do? He clave unto these in love. Do you realize this morning you can choose to cleave to God or the things of this world? And what does Hezekiah do? In 2 Kings 18, verse 6, the Bible says, For he clave to the Lord. There's something about clinging to the Lord. What happens when Hezekiah does this? Well, look at verse 7. The Lord was with him. Can I make you a promise today? If you cleave unto God, if you glue yourself to God, guess what will happen? He 
will be with you. Maybe at times you feel like he's not there. May I remind you that God's promises doesn't match our reality. Okay. God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Who are you cleaving to today? As Solomon did, the world, the women? Are you cleaving to God? What, is, what does the psalmist say in Psalm 63, verse 8? My soul followeth hard after thee. It's not just going to happen by accident. You're not just going to glue to God by accident. You have to follow hard after God. Why? The Bible says in Psalms 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Do you understand this morning that sin wants to cleave to you? Satan wants to cleave to you? The world wants to cleave to you? You have to pursue God or else the sin is going to try to cleave to you. What does Paul says? I die daily, and my flesh, I find it no good thing. We have this battle going on. And if we don't follow after God, guess what's going to follow after us? Sin. We must follow after God. We must cleave to him. Spurgeon said this about Psalms 101.3. This pictures the power of sin to entrap the sinner. Why is sin so powerful? You ever wondered that? Why does sin, that uh, vice, some of you maybe are sitting here today, you have a vice, you have a, a, a habit, you have a, something that continually gets you. Uh, I don't know what it is. Yours is probably different than mine, but it's always there. It's always coming after you. What do we do? Why does that happen? Because of this verse. The Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. It shall not cleave to me. Sin wants to entrap you. It wants to cling to you. It's like those magnets, you know, it just it keeps coming. You know, it's like those telemarketers. They just keep calling. I don't know how many times I've said, you know what? Let me be very kind to you. Life will be so much better if you don't call me again, right? You know, be very kind to you. You, know, you, don't need, you don't need to call, but they just keep coming. That's what sin wants to do. We have to cleave to God and say, it's a personal commitment, it's a choice. Ruth models an adventurous faith, one willing to abandon the sensible and venture into unknown territory. Hubbard says this, Orpah did the sensible, expected thing. She went back, made sense. Ruth did the extraordinary and the unexpected thing. We live in a day and age, church, where if you pursue God, it's unexpected. It's, 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 unordinary. it's extraordinary. It's like, wow, why are you doing that? But when you do it, I'm telling you, it's going to be the most amazing choice you've ever made. So do I have the faith and willingness to commit to cleave and follow Jesus? Well, Jesus taught this in Mark 8, verse number 34. He says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then in verse number 35 it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Who did that? Orpah. She thought she was saving her life by going back to Moab. But she loses everything. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels. Who was that? That was Ruth. The Bible says the same shall save it. It doesn't always make sense clinging to God. But if you do, the Bible says here, you will save your life. If you don't, if you allow sin to cling to you, you shall lose it. And so we see this morning, we have a choice we have to make. 
life is all about choices. Christian life is all about choices. Reminds me of a story about a husband and wife prior to marriage. They decided that the husband would make all the major decisions and the wife would make all the minor ones. After 20 years of marriage, the husband was asked how this arrangement had worked. Great, he said. In all the years, I've never had to make a major decision. You'll get it later. We all make choices. But the most important choice is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget as a boy, I gave my life to Christ. I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Uh, This week, um, I was sitting down with our youngest, Jackson. And he had his Awana book out, Cubbies and... We were going through it, and they talked about C is for Christ, and how he died on the cross, how he rose from the dead, and we started going through it, and he said, Daddy, I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I said, well, you and me both. So let me tell you something. I started explaining the gospel, and I have this app on my phone that shows uh, a picture of two uh, two cliffs and a chasm in between and how good works and how religion can't quite get you across. And then I showed the cross and how Jesus' cross there covers the span. And we can, by faith, accept Jesus Christ from life, we can get across the other side. He said, Daddy, I want to cross that bridge. I said, okay, let's do it. So we prayed and invited Jesus Christ in life. It was such a tender prayer. He was so excited. That next morning, the kids came down and said, Jackson, what did you do last night? He said, I crossed the bridge. I crossed the bridge. We're like, what does that mean? I asked Jesus in my heart. My question to you today, the most important choice you'll ever make, is will you allow Jesus Christ to be the bridge to heaven? He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You must... Realize you're not good enough. You must realize your religion's not good enough. I'm thankful for those who do good things. Man, praise the Lord. We need more good in this world, not less. But that's not going to get you to heaven. It's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You must accept Christ in your life. What about you today? Have you made that choice? Maybe for some, it's a choice of sin. We live in America. Sometimes we have more options available to us, and we feel like that gives us better experiences. May I say this morning that when it comes to sin, there's never a better choice than the other. The best choice to sin is just to say no. Reminds me of someone who said, this is a true story, I read it this week. An American was overseas in Italy, and he tried ordering a double-pump, non-fat soy latte with half-sweetener. The the barista in Italy looked at him and said, no, not going to have that. That is how we should respond to sin when it comes our way. It's not that bad. No, no. Let's just not do it. And so we see the choice. I must hasten on. We see, second of all, the stark contrast of that choice. So it may may have just been a simple choice. And if if the passage stopped here... Perhaps maybe 
we would never know how significant that choice was. But when the passage goes forward, we see the stark contrast here. The Bible says in verse 15, And she said, this is Naomi, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. What Naomi is saying is, there's two choices here. you got my God, you got these other gods, and Orpah's chosen to go back that way. Why don't you just follow her? What Naomi was saying was, I know my Savior's immutability. I mean, God's never failed me. I'm going back to it because I know it's still there for me. But Orpah is going after idolatry. So we see Orpah's idolatry. The Bible says, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people. Now, I shared this briefly in my class today, but I, I, I want us to explain what the gods are. This is a polytheistic paganism society. The most despicable god in Moabite society was Shemash. It was a false deity. It was so vile in its worship that it was associated with child sacrifice. In fact, we see that in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 26. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. Now, why would the king do that? He believed that by sacrificing his son to this idol Shemash, he would then have the power, his people would have the power to defeat the enemy. In fact, Jesus said in Psalms 106, verse 37, God said that sacrificing one's child, children is like sacrificing them to the devils. So you've got to understand that she wasn't just going back to Moab because it was her people. She was going back to her gods, which were so vile and wicked. It was a stark contrast to the God of Naomi. And perhaps that's why we see a difference in Ruth's response. But before we do, I want us to read Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, and if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The Bible says, if you draw back from me, I'm not going to have pleasure in you. You have a choice to make. Either you choose the living God or you choose others. Well, that's your choice, God says. I didn't create you to be robots, but I have no, no pleasure in you. And so what do, we, what do we see Ruth doing? We see Ruth entreating. Of course, Orpah's idols. Ruth decides to entreat instead. The Bible says, Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. And so we see here a begging. We see here a pleading. Reminds me of a story of a lady who answered the knock on her door to find a man with a sad expression. He said, I'm so sorry to disturb you. He says, I'm collecting money for an unfortunate family in the neighborhood. Their husband's out of work. The kids are hungry. The utilities will soon be cut off. And worse, they're going to be kicked out of their apartment if they don't pay the rent by this afternoon. The woman says, man, I'll be happy to help. She had great concern, but she goes, who are you? He said, well, I'm the landlord. (laughs) And so we see someone who is willing to beg, willing to entreat. And that's what Ruth is doing here. She's entreating. She's begging. She's making a definite choice. Joshua talked a little bit about this choice in Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of which your father served were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, that famous phrase, we will serve the Lord. What about you today? What's your choice? Whether you like it or not, there's eventually a time you've got to make a choice. Am I going to choose the gods of this world, or am I going to choose the living God? Jesus called to discipleship in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
Thomas Constable said Ruth was a descendant of Lot, if you remember. We talked about this last week. Moab was from a descendant of Lot and his Lot's daughter, who his daughter got him drunk so they could commit incest. And the offspring of that relationship was Moab. Moab was the wash pot of God. It was, it was detestable. God commanded his people, don't go there. Don't accept them. Don't worship them. Don't allow them into. They, no. They, they're just a horrible people. But... Lot left the promised land, thought he could do better for himself in Sodom. And now we see Ruth return to the promised land that Lot left. We see returning here. So we see the, uh, the specific choice. We see the stark contract. But then number three, I want us to see, what are the effects of these choices? We see the contrast. So we know this is not going to end well. But we see for some and for others, great, the sacrificial commitment. The Bible says, thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. This is what Ruth says. We see Naomi is making a commitment to being a repentant saint. She's getting back where she needs to be. And may I say today, if that is you, say, Pastor Justin, I found myself here today. Man, I don't know why I'm back. I used to come maybe, or, or I've been, I've just been frustrated. I've been trying to figure it all out. I've I've been close to God and now I'm not and I'm ready to get back in. May I say God is always ready. I mentioned this last week. He always has a doormat, a welcome doormat back for those who are repentant and want to come back. And so we see the repentant saint, but then we see Orpah. Oprah, Orpah is so committed to herself. The Bible says, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back into her people and to her gods. Orpah chose to go back to what was comfortable to her, what she was used to what she wanted to be around. And then we see the commitment for Ruth to her Savior. The Bible says there, Where thou diest will I die, and where there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. These words show that Ruth has made a conversion. She is now a child of God. I mentioned this earlier, but Thomas Constable said the ancients believed that a deity had power only in the local land where it was. By its worshipers. Therefore, to leave one's land meant to separate from one's God. So Ruth was making a clear decision by leaving Moab that I am done with my old life. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. So Ruth is making a clear, concise. She knows this is what the ancient, she understands that by me leaving, I'm saying goodbye. Never to return. And I'm saying, it's God for me. The cross for me. Ruth is a good Old Testament illustration of total surrender. Philippians 3, 7, But what things were gained to me, Paul says, those I count a loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win. Really, we have someone who is completely submitted to God. And really, it reminds me of the illustration of the pig and the chicken who were talking. This isn't true, okay? Pig and chicken who were talking, just so you know, okay? But it's a fable. They were talking about their contribution to the farmer's breakfast that morning. And the chicken said, man, I'm committed. I gave an egg. The pig says, oh, yeah? I have sacrificial commitment. I gave my life for the bacon. And so we see this morning that Orpah is 
She's slightly committed, but she turned back. But Ruth's all in. She's ready to give her life fully to the Lord. And what's interesting here, if you, if you study this out a little bit, and I'm going to go a little bit deep here, so stay with me. Ruth is a daughter of Moab, an unnatural branch. Romans 11:21 says, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now here's where I'm going with this. Ruth was unnatural. She was a Moabite. She had no way to get into Naomi's world. She had no way to be a child of God. She was not a Jew. She was not under the covenant. She did not have that. She wasn't born into it. She had to be grafted in, the Bible says. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, not seen as yet, yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So here's where I'm going with this. If I lost you, come back in again. Ruth what had to be grafted into the tree to be able to be a child of God. She was not under the covenant. She wasn't born a Jew. Paul says, by faith Noah was able to be an heir of righteousness. And that tells you and I today that without faith it is impossible to please him. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Do you realize this morning that Ruth was able to become a child of God because God allowed her through her faith in him. And you and I today have no hope unless we put our faith and trust and Jesus Christ. Paul emphasized this in Romans 2, 28. For he is not a Jew, which was one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not a man, but of God. Paul even recognized, without Jesus Christ, I have nothing. He wrote half the New Testament. He started a lot of churches, surely. He saved. No, no, no. Paul understood, I have to come through Jesus Christ. Now, my question to you today is, maybe you feel like Ruth. Maybe you feel like a little bit from Moab. You say, I can't get in. I'm so different from God. I'm not perfect. I'm not righteous. There's no way. I, I was born in a, in a wicked society. I, I had a bad upbringing. I, there's no way I could be a child of God. We're so different. Well, Ruth was so different than Naomi, was she not? But yet God was willing to come and seek and to save that which was lost. Do you realize this morning, whether you're born in a Christian family or whether you were born in a wicked family, you are maybe completely opposites of an upbringing. But Jesus came to seek and to save the Christian family member as much as he came to seek and to save those who grew up in a wicked home. Why? Because he came in to seek and to say that which was lost. I want to give you an illustration. Perhaps you've read the book or seen the movie Driving Miss Daisy. It's one of the most delightful and endearing stories in the last decade. It's a story of a friendship that develops over a 20 to 30 year period by a chauffeur and a lady who does not want a chauffeur driver. Hoke Colburn is a chauffeur and Daisy Worthen is a woman who does not want a chauffeur. He is black, she is white. He is poor, she is wealthy. He is a Christian, she is Jewish. 
He is illiterate. She is educated and well-read. He is warm and friendly. She is cold and grouchy. He is the hired help and she is the boss. But by the end of the story, Miss Daisy says this, Hoke, you're my best friend. Do you realize this morning that though Naomi and Ruth were polar opposites, God was powerful enough to be the interceder, to be the substitute, to be the, 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 the sacrifice that Ruth needed to be able to become a child of God. And I want to just encourage us today. The Bible says, for all have sinned. The Bible says we are born in sin. The Bible says well, there's none righteous, no, not one. We have no hope without God. Whether you're a good person from, from an extinguished home, come from all the pedigree, or whether you're poor from the streets of Portland where no one likes to go, no matter where you're from, Jesus Christ came to seek and to say that which was lost. And you too can have hope through Jesus Christ if you'll but accept him and his free gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but everlasting life. Will you allow Jesus Christ to graft you into his tree? Will you allow him to become the then who believe upon the name of the Lord shall become the sons, have given the power to become the sons of God. You can be a child of God today if you'll but give your life to him. Maybe you today need Jesus. May I encourage you to give your life to him. I don't care how bad you are, what your past is. I don't care what you struggle with. I don't care what you've done. Jesus wants to save you. But second of all, you say, man, I am a child of God. God has a purpose for you. Brandon said this, searching to know life's true meaning, you'll find it only one way, serving the Lord with commitment and living for, each, for others each day. 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The only way you can be a child of God today is because of the power of his blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Fitzhouse said this, When we're involved in serving and meeting others' needs, we're imitating Jesus in thoughts and words and deeds. A life filled with love for the Lord and for others is a fulfilling life. What about you this morning? Do you know Jesus? If you do know Jesus, are you serving him? Maybe you're like or- Orpa, and you're just on the on the you're just close. Don't turn back. Give your life to Christ. The cross before me, the world behind me. Maybe you're struggling with serving the Lord. May I encourage you to stay committed to Him? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's someone that would say, Pastor Justin, I I feel a little bit like Ruth. I feel like I'm from Moab. I feel like I'm from the world. I feel like I just I got a lot of problems. I feel like. I just need Jesus today. I didn't realize what Jesus has done for me. I didn't realize his death on the cross. I didn't realize that he was willing to leave the splendors of heaven and was willing to die on the cross. I feel a lot like that story you gave. I feel like I'm not, I don't fit in. I feel like I, I'm, just, I'm just here. I found myself here and I want Jesus so bad, but I just don't know what to do. I'm going to say, Pastor Justin, would you pray for me? That's me. I need Jesus in my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's going to look around. I will not embarrass you, I promise. Would you just slip up your hand real quick if that's you? I need Jesus in my life. God bless you. I see that hand. 
Anybody else this morning? I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. If you just raised your hand, would you be willing to pray a simple prayer that I prayed years ago? This prayer won't save you. But what will save you is you giving your life to Christ, inviting Jesus in your heart. And I want to help you do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just raised your hand, will you say something like this? In your heart, you don't have to say it out loud, say it in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. But I don't want to go there. Lord, I believe and trust in you. And invite you into my heart. So I can go to heaven when I die. Please take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip up your hand real quick? I want to rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Several hands. You know what? You are a child of God. If you just prayed and invited Jesus Christ in your life. Paul says, for whosoever shall call, plain Lord shall be saved. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, I've kind of been flirting a little bit with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I, I know I'm saved. I don't have any plans on returning. But I feel like I'm being drawn that way back to the world. And I, I don't like it. And I want to decide today that I want to get all in with Jesus Christ again. If that's you this morning, will you raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe there's someone today that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I know I'm saved. I'm all in for Jesus, but I'll be honest with you. I probably haven't been serving him like I should, and the Lord kind of touched my heart a little bit. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Then last but not least, maybe there's someone that would say, Pastor Justin, I have a burden this morning. I'm overwhelmed. I'm dealing with something. Maybe you feel like Naomi. You need to get back back to where God has you. you just, you're just struggling. Maybe you've got a financial need, a, a health burden. Maybe you've got a, a, a physical need, a spiritual need, emotionally, something right now in your life. And you say, Pastor, will you just pray for me? If that's you, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands all over. You know the hearts. I don't have all the answers to everything that people are dealing with, but I know your word does. I know you do. I know you can help them. Maybe we can help guide them a little bit through the preaching of your word. I believe it's powerful. But Lord, I believe you can do it. May you work in their hearts. Thank you for those who raised their hand for salvation today. May they know for sure that they're going to heaven in their heart. Maybe said if we'd love to talk to them if we need to. Lord, maybe there's someone here, Lord, that raised their hand, several raised their hand about flirting a little bit with the world and they want to get all in with you. Please help them. Lord, many people are bearing burdens today, and I pray you'll help them as well. I pray you'll do a work that only you can. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for you. Lord, maybe there's someone that needs to place their membership here or follow it in baptism, and, and may they be willing to do that. Lord, I pray you'll bless this invitation time like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet. What we do at our church is we have an invitation time, an altar call. This is... A time for you to be able to come and pray to the Lord. Maybe you'd like to come forward and pray. Maybe you'd like to have someone pray with you. Maybe you'd like to make a decision. Maybe the Lord touched your heart and you just want to come and have one of our pastors pray with you. We'd love to. Maybe you're struggling a little bit with something and maybe you just need someone to talk to. We'd love to talk to you briefly. 
Uh, maybe you uh, would like to join the church or you'd like to follow it in baptism. We want to talk to you about that. And I promise you this, we love God, we love people. We don't want to embarrass you, we don't want to hurt you. We just want to be, we're here to help you any way we can. As the piano plays, may I encourage you to spend some time in prayer. Maybe you feel like you're where God wants you to be, and that's great. Will you pray for someone around you, maybe? Maybe the Lord put someone on your heart right now, someone on your mind right now. Would you spend some time in prayer for them right now? Many are making decisions. Please continue to be in prayer. God will touch their hearts. God bless you. You may be seated. And thank you so much for being here today. And it listened so well. And I hope that was a blessing to you. I um, encourage you to be back t- again tonight. Uh, for We have a Sunday school teacher and workers meeting, plus, um, of course, the service as well. I, I believe the choir has already started um, practicing for the Christmas program coming up. And so thank you for all those who are in the choir and the extra effort in the orchestra as well, and the extra time and effort you put into that. And uh, we have here Steve and Patty DeCarteret, and uh, they've been visiting our church for several months now. And Steve is following the Lord in baptism today, so he's getting ready at this time. And, uh, of course, they want to join upon the baptism. And so we're excited about, we'll recognize that in just a minute. Um, at this time we have a video we're going to share with you about some upcoming events and some things that we can keep before you. Um, And let me encourage you, if you can, on the way out, to pick up maybe a few of these flyers uh, on the table back there and pass a few out. And maybe just try to invite someone. Have a few conversations this week. Maybe one or two or three conversations with someone. Maybe it's at a gas station or a store, maybe at work, and say, hey, would you come and be my guest? They might tell you no. That's okay. They might tell you yes. And they might say, you'll think about it, but let's try to get a few of these out. That'd be great. Guests, I hope you know. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming. And we do want to get to know you as well. Let's watch this video, and then we have a baptism. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. 
Join us tonight at 5 for a sermon from our junior high youth pastor, Derek Vestal. Join us here next week for Tailgate Sunday. Come to church in your favorite jersey and bring an adult visitor for a chance to win Winterhawks, Blazers, Ducks, or Beaver tickets. Then join us in the parking lot following the service for your choice of free food and men's flag football game. Sign up today in the foyer if you'd like to play football or if you can help with food. The international program at GVCA has the opportunity to host more international students for three days. The dates will be September 29th through October 2nd. We are looking for families that would be willing to host these students for those three days. If you would like to volunteer, please see Nicole Berkland. The Best Years Club is going on. The luncheon on Friday, September 22nd at noon here at the church. The cost is $10 and you'll meet in the Abundant Life classroom. Plan to join us for Pumpkin Sunday on October 1st at 10 a.m. Come for professional family photos, a petting zoo, inflatables, and an apple slingshot. Also, you'll be able to pick your own pumpkin from the Grandview Pumpkin Patch. We're excited about the Timberline Baptist Church Teen Rally coming up Thursday and Friday, September 28th and 29th. On Thursday, students will be allowed to stay after school. From 3.30 to 4.15, we will be feeding them pizza. At 4.15, we'll head over to the teen rally. We're also going to try to do a Dutch Brothers stop, so if you want to give your kids some money for that, that would be wonderful. Uh, then, on Friday, the bus will leave at 5.15. Both nights, our goals is to be back here to the church property at 9 o'clock. There is no cost for this teen activity, and we hope that your young people will bring their Bible, bring a good spirit, and we pray that God will speak to their hearts. Don't miss the next Lady Service Ministry meeting on Wednesday, September 20th from 1 to 3 p.m. We'll be meeting at the Forest Creek Park Lodge. There will be a potluck lunch, so bring a dish to share. We will have a short devotion as well as a drawing for door prizes. Come join us as we work together to equip, encourage, and extend the work of Grandview. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. Steve, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Steve, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Congratulations, Steve. We're so excited for you. All in favor of allowing Steve and Patty to join our church, say aye. All right, it carries. Welcome to the family. We're looking forward to serving the Lord together. We're so glad you're here, Steve. What a blessing. So, Amen. It's been a good day so far. It's going to be great again tonight. Brother Cameron's going to dismiss us in a word of prayer. Praise the Lord for what he's done today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you've done for us and in us and through us, God. We pray that you'd work in our hearts today, that you would use the sermon this morning. God, that you would keep us uncorrupted by the world and that you would guide us into a life of, of, of usefulness for you and, and the, the abundant Christian life. And I pray, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts this week. Draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.